Right on radio. Right on radio. Welcome to Right on Radio. This is a great episode because we have Tom back and I'm going to read his bio in just a moment, but just a couple quick announcements. The channel is growing. We thank you. I'm going to talk about the Shepherd of the Sheeple Army. We thank you. Just a reminder, listen, you were on a couple different platforms. We use Podbean as our home base, and I'm going to be switching to a video platform on Podbean as well. If you're watching us on YouTube, I always put the link in the description box. Please go and subscribe there as well. Uh, plus, if you don't mind, just in the comment on this video, I'm asking for two quick things. How do you watch or listen to this program? Is it on a mobile phone, a tablet, or a computer? Just write the one word. You don't have to give a whole bunch of stuff because that's going to help us decide where the best way we can serve you, the audience, goes to. Also, if there is an alternative video platform that you really prefer, one of some of my doubts about some of these platforms is, you know, when you go to BitChute and stuff like that, you only get a tiny little screen if you're watching on mobile and you can't turn it to widescreen when you turn your mobile phone and stuff like that. So I have some hesitancies about these other platforms. So getting your feedback is going to be really important going forward. As well with the Shepherd of the Sheeple Army, look, the top tier volunteers are coming in the line. They're working diligently. We're going to get to each and every one of you. I have read every single one that has come in. I don't have time to personally reply to them all at this time, although as we're getting organized, as the Army is uh, growing, we'll have some group discussions and things like that, including some Zoom calls that are not private information that's off the show, just more organizational and structural things and how you can be involved and do what I believe would be God's will and just getting in the fight and extending his kingdom. So let me bring on Jesse. And as I do, and Tom is coming in in just a moment, just a reminder, Jesse's website is illuminatethedarkness.com. Visit illuminatethedarkness.com and illuminate your mind. Please remember that she does have a special Patreon program on there, and she is really only funded by doing shows like this. We're desperately trying to keep her in this fight full time. She does have a, a the, another occupation. If you've been listening to the show, she's a chaplain and stuff like that, but she can be much more effective on platforms like this. Please support her. And she does some special things for her Patreon people. You can see her Patreon on the Illuminate the Darkness website. Jesse, good morning to you. Good morning. Good to be here. All I'm right. excited. It's another morning with Tom. Yeah, yeah. It, it's only been one week we missed with him. Yeah. But in fact, I'm just going to bring him on and say good morning. And then I'm going to go through a couple more things. Oh, his empty chair. Well, I... <laughs> oh, there he is. There he is. Good morning, Tom. I want to make an entrance. Yes, of course. <laughs> Typical Hollywood diva. <laughs> yeah, no, the descending stairs. So I just thought I'd just pop in. 
Hey, listen, Tom, it's only been a week. Thank you for agreeing. Like just last week with the, uh, the faux inauguration and that going on, we, we wanted to keep the show very flexible. I sure. promised you that we would go through your entire story. We're going to honor that and continue to go through. It's so important at this time. Yeah. So, but thank you for that. Listen, before we get going, there's two things because our subscription base has really, really taken off. Like we're, we're doubling every couple of weeks at this point. Wow. Uh, so I want to start off with a scripture that I think is going to be fitting for this. And, and by the way, I never know where this is going to go with Tom. Yeah. He has brought out some huge surprises <laughs> and revelations uh, going into this uh but I found a scripture that I think is not only suiting to what we are going through collectively, but also Tom and his story. So I'm going to read the scripture. And then if you'll bear with me, because we have so many new people listening to this broadcast, I have not given out Tom's bio since the very first episode. And just so you can catch up, on, if you're just watching this for the first time, you have an understanding of who Tom is. I've created a playlist, particularly on YouTube, where you can hit all of these uh, episodes and watch them in order because, wow, there's just some stuff that is mind-blowing that has happened in these conversations with us. So let me start out with a scripture. And uh, it's funny, I was just looking on Gab. By the way, you can find this, sh find this show on Gab. Uh, the handle is right underscore on underscore radio. And Gap is a really great platform that's taking off their servers, seem to be keeping up and everything else. But this was reported by True News, and I'm just going to read the entire post, including the scripture. So uh, the post says, here is a great reminder from Paul as he's chained up and in prison. Despite his present circumstances, he's still joyful because the gospel of Jesus is advancing. And this is from first uh, Philippians or from Philippians 1, 12 to 14. I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Wow. Yeah, Tom, you've been in a bit of a prison. <laughs> oh, yes, I have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God, yes. And, That's what I've thinking about today, yesterday, before, and, and now all of a sudden, um, cars, like everything's been pulled back. It's like I'm getting ready for another offer to be made, I'm sure. Um, usually they buy off the people around you, they approach the people around you, and then when they can't succeed, if people start standing up anyway, they come to you and make an offer. And we've had some doozies and I've realized, yeah, there's been some big offers um, made. And I always hear my mouth going, I wanna make a difference. I believe um, that people can be helped, that people can get it. These offers are based on the idea that public won't get it, public's dumb, uh, they're not gonna help you. Uh, you're alone, take our offer, you'll have everything you want, and you'll be part of the elite. They always say that phrase, you'll be part of the elite. Uh, your life will be over as you know it. Um, you're going to be able to create. Just don't talk about the work that was taken, but you're going to be able to create. You'll be set up, a home, everything, and your loved ones too. That's right from our screenplay too. All right, Tom, and before we get into that, because I want to read your bio one more time. It's been 
probably six weeks we've been doing this with you now. And uh, it's just a good reminder because we have so many new uh, followers to hear your uh, bio, then we'll get right into it. Uh, so our guest, Tom Althaus, is an award-winning writer, performer, and visionary attempting to make a difference for artists in Hollywood. His inspirational quotes are online in many platforms. In 2019, he closed a show in New York with the Hudson Theatre Company, Caretaker, which is up for the Broadway World Awards, including Best Ensemble of a Three-Man Cast. Some other awards include L.A. Critics' Pick for Midsummer's Dream in the role of Demetrius, the Hoku Award for Best Actor, Maui Fringe Festival, AMA Award for Work in Colonial Williamsburg, Top 20 Making a Difference in Maui in 2013 Award from the Maui Times, Top Comedic Actor of the Year 2014 for Maui News. In 1993, he wrote a screenplay which was given to Lorenzo Di Bonaventura of Warner Brothers and asked to pitch it fully to him in New York that became the beginning of the Matrix story, that is the Matrix movie, and never-ending pursuit of justice and to get name for credit of his work. In 1988, Thomas Althaus was communications graduate from student at Christian Broadcasting Network University, present day uh, Regent University, the stronghold of the American religious right. The young and charismatic performer was poised to become a leading figure at CBNU until the night he inadvertently became privy to a series of sexual scandals reaching up to the organization's highest leadership. When Althaus refused to participate in furthering the university's agenda of controlled secrecy, CBN initiated a silent and systematic campaign to divest their former rising star of his faith, family, and career. Overcome with anxiety and forbidden from revealing any information to the public directly, Althaus channeled his grief passion and insight into the genesis of a futuristic and allegorical vision that would go on to inspire one of Hollywood's most successful film franchises. Over the past two decades, as others in the entertainment industry have continued to plagiarize the rich storyline embodied in this copyrighted screenplay, The Immortals, the author himself has been compelled to withhold details of the story's evolution and underlying warning to humanity. That movie was The Matrix. His screenplay is The Immortals. Tom has shown and demonstrated on many times the copyrighted script. We have been going through the script, and he cannot wait to have his day in court. And without further ado, let's bring Tom and Jesse back in because I need a drink of water. <laughs> All right. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Tom. <laughs> that was quite the intro, Jeff. You better quick take your drink before we run out of words here. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great baritone voice delivery, too. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, go ahead, Jesse. I'll let you speak. Oh, no, go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say, I was realizing more and more... Um, what I need to do, my part. I've been trying to approach this all as, you know, be humble, um, don't try to draw attention, uh, let the work speak for itself, uh, work with good people with good hearts. But I'm realizing it's time, as you hit it right in the head, Jeff, to be bold. It's time to be bold and say, look, this is the work, the work is the tool. 
So I am going to claim the work. And I, I, in that humility strain I've been trying to do, I've been saying things like, um, it just came through me. I'm not that smart. I need to uh, amend that. Um, yeah, I'm smart. I'm smart. I was tested as um, 1%. And that's even when I didn't have any sleep during the testing. And I, you know, uh, didn't even understand how to <clears throat> do uh, um, percentages because I was never taught that. You know, I just self-teach myself a lot of times. So even missing a large chunk of the questions, I still tested top 1%, which means above that. And I need to claim that. I need to claim that, yes, I'm very intelligent. And then when I wrote the screenplay, it just didn't just come through. That would be impossible. I actually used what I had, my gift, to craft it into layers to try to encourage others to do the same thing while I'm whispering through art a message I need to get across. That message is a faith. It's also a warning of what's coming, what plans the elite were. When you have one organization such as the Rockefellers at Williamsburg or uh, the CIA at Camp Perry or Robertson's group at uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Pat Robertson, they're all in the same area, little triangle. And it's like, they all interact. So if you have one beast telling you things, the other beasts are in agreement. It's basically David and the Goliaths. So what you have is they will channel information. And if you're privy to it being brought up through their ranks, you're considered a golden boy among all their ranks. That's why I was courted by all these different organizations. And basically that's why my screenplay, I'll say my screenplay is also under the copyright titling uh, claim of the investment firm. So anybody can take from it, any studio. They've gone so far uh, for those that are new to destroy my life. And they say destroy, they have contacts that tell you that, that when I was put away in uh, Brantford, Ontario, when I was sent there by a planted person to my boy and I to there, I was went into the hospital for a headache. And next thing I'm in a psych ward saying that, and the doctor was claiming this, Dr. Briskin was brought in after three hours of being basically on ice in a waiting room for a headache. I'm being told that uh, this guy comes in and says, well, you think you wrote the matrix. Therefore you're being shut away as basically criminally insane. What, because I say I wrote this story that we have right here, this copyright and everything else. That was the basis for being, being shut away, taken away from my son. And this is a repeated thing they do, this 302 thing, where they say that you're a mass murderer, you're gonna kill. That's how far this goes. You're not given guilty any- Guilty by accusation. What's that? Yeah, guilty, guilty by, by accusation. Yeah, the doctor actually said this, if you can call him a doctor, you know, he was brought in, he's like saying like 50 people thought they wrote the matrix. Therefore, that's why you're gonna commit me? with the criminally insane. And what do they do, Jeff and Jesse, while I'm there, just for this example, to see how much they play this game to be clever. Who do I run into while I'm there? I run into a girl who claims to be the girlfriend of Quentin, the stunt Batman for Warner Brothers. How am I in Canada running into this girl who claims she's a patient in this psych ward who just happens to come to me and tell me all this, right? And what room do they assign me to, 303? Why, this Trinity's room. They do this on purpose to be clever. And if they can have you there, you know, it's like, and before you even have a session to see if you're allowed to get out and they're telling you you're not gonna get out, three nights, I kid you not, three nights of every half hour, bam on your door, flashlight in your face, you don't sleep. And what's the reason then then settle upon that you're gonna be committed? Sleep deprivation. Well, that's definitely man-made. And so you have to have the presence of mind after that to still bring your case forward. They weren't going to let me go. But the thing is, I run into this girl that's saying 
She's the girlfriend of Quentin. Now, what's important about this man, the stuntman, and this girlfriend running into this place with me set up is that he had interceded earlier. This Quentin had a different girlfriend on Maui when I was on Maui who came to me. And she uh, said that Quentin was going to investigate. He asked throughout Warner Brothers, do you know Tom Oldhouse? Do you know his story? Every person he went to on the Warner Brothers studios lots and offices said they knew who I was. They knew who a Diane Bellis was, the submitting person we were submitting to the story department who's now disappeared. The head of the story department just disappeared. They all knew about it. They said they're not supposed to talk about it. They knew that common knowledge was ripped off. That's how far this goes. Now there's another one that just happened. I wanna show you how deep this goes and they wanna make it look like it's crazy, but I'm not gonna shut up now. I'm gonna speak the truth and thank you for the platform and the opportunity with caring friends to do this who are professional and know how to bring forward the word. This happened the other day. We had a team, a group, and my manager even said, maybe we shouldn't talk about this. Yes, we're gonna talk about everything. In this group comes this, this wonderful team, you know, part of it's connected to Q, wonderful team. I'm thrilled. This one guy stands out, says he wants to be my Morpheus, right? And he's talking like, we're gonna make this work. It's gonna happen. Everything's gonna fall into place. And he's great at bringing people together. All of a sudden he starts disrupting the group and he says a phrase, did you miss me? This shows up on a line where it just came out of the blue. Now I ask you, if someone in your group is doing work for you, working together on important projects and suddenly they put in a phrase after being 45 minutes late, did you miss me? It doesn't seem proper. Well, guess where it comes from? Netflix is where Warner Brothers has sent their personnel. Remember, it's all about being clever and to make you look like you're nuts if you say anything. Meanwhile, while planes, helicopters fly over this kind of stuff, you know, and that's just show of power. We have this man saying that phrase and another phrase. What we find out is Netflix is now under the guidance of the attorneys that threw our case from Warner Brothers. They moved over to Netflix. In the depositions I had at the time my case was being thrown, they were talking about what I was watching on Netflix, right? Because they have the trail of our movies we subscribe to. Their argument was that you watch violent films. You said you couldn't watch violent films because you're conditioned in the past. Therefore, we've seen you watching violent films and not named off the ones I was watching, right? So you know the series that you're looking at if you're trying to take a break. We were watching Sherlock Holmes, okay? They know we're watching Sherlock Holmes. They know what episode we're on. It's Netflix. They have that record. They bill you. They have their attorneys from Warner Brothers. So what happens? This gentleman who claimed to be by Morpheus said, did you miss me? The episode that we were watching succession, we start to watch. At the end of it, I kid you not, it says at the end, did you miss, did you miss me? Did you miss me? Did you miss me? Did you miss me? That's how the episode ended. Now, Tom, this group yeah. that you had, was this, the, was this the group on Twitter? Yes, it's connected to it, yes. Interesting. And what happens is suddenly when you're bought, you no longer make contact. It's in the playbook. See, uh, Jess and Jesse, they have, they have this, Jeff, this playbook. They don't deviate. That's their weakness. And I don't mind saying it. It's, it's not a matter of being clever on our side. It's a matter of being straightforward, clear, crystal clear, faithful and get to the point and finish the job. We don't have to be some kind of circus for the public. They can with their air shows and everything else and their mysticism. What we can do is just be straightforward, just like Paul in prison. So what happens is we speak it truthfully. 
What happened with this Morpheus character? Suddenly, he's contacting the ladies in the group, basically distanced himself from me, broke all contact, just cut it off. I'm saying, talk to me, talk to me. You know, if you want to talk to me, talk to me. The standard playbook, cut you off. But talking to the ladies in our group, saying odd things. And what happens is um, uh, he's following completely the playbook. So what I do is I'll say, you know, yes, you can work with us, but you have to tell us, you know, like when you're approached, you're as a group, you have to say it. When you're approached, bring it forward. Do not keep it secret and no more codes. What happened after he got approached, he started saying all this weird stuff, even saying he was Christ and starting to say codes like, you know, this means this and this means this. No. And that's why I even told the Q group, no more codes, no codes. We're going to talk to the public simply, clearly. If we want to convince them that we're right, then no more of this mystical code stuff. In the screenplay, The Immortals, the other side, the architect has that implemented with his agents. He has the, the uh, outside the program, the people outside the program confused and dancing. He claims to have the corner and the market on God. And he has people in position in religious chairs to confuse the public, to listen to them. So the last bastion they have is their beliefs in the religion. It's controlled by the state. And that's why the Oracle Act, I mean, the architected by screenplay actually replaces uh, his Dooley character, which represented Robertson and these religious organizations under the payroll of the state with the Oracle. Because I think the Oracle will come through and doesn't need anything. And the Oracle simply brings the people, readies the people for God's return. All right, Tom. We there's are. so much to unpack there. We we got got to stop just, right that, there. And by the way, one I, of the things, and I don't I don't say this to intend any harm to you, Tom, but because we have so many new viewers, you really know, need to go back and see what Tom has been put through, including two of his sons being taken away from him, and I mean in the most final of ways. That's right. Uh, but Jesse, so one one thing is. You know, as we're trying to speculate and figure out what God's plan is, no one knows. God is above everything. But the enemy kind of has a predictable playbook. Mm -hmm. And so the things that they've been doing to Tom, including, you know, getting them put in the psych ward, bringing people in, surrounding. Can you talk a little bit about this standard playbook and how they start to do this to people? Yeah, I mean, that's very common, especially if somebody's withdrawing from the system or trying to get out. Um, like Tom said, they definitely, you know, it's almost like this playbook is exact, you know, where they play the, I called it the crazy game. You know, you, you could have like 50 family members who all saw the exact same thing you did, or, you know, in my case, it was an entire community that, you know, watched a murder in the middle of a of a yard at 2 a.m. in the morning. And then it was like, it never happened. Those people all of a sudden never existed. Like literally they erased them out of, you know, there was no record of their names in the community, no record of, you know, them, the kids ever being at school. Um, like literally it was like, you know, they never existed. And if I brought up names, if I brought up things about that event, you know, I would just get these looks and it was like, you know, those people never existed. You must be imagining or thinking of, you know, someone else or, you know, so they'll do things like that. So and, but in um, Tom's case, Jesse, so 
they don't want to eliminate him because they've wanted to keep him for their own purposes. They feel he's valuable, kind of like your story in many ways. Um, so they're, they're trying to erase all of his life and take away all of his credibility. What, what's, what's their next play that you would see coming, just kind of knowing how the system works? Well, there's different levels of threat. So it's not even necessarily that they want to or have to keep him around. Um, you know, for them, it's a game and they want to draw out the torture. They want to draw out the pain. So it usually, you know, there's levels of escalation where, you know, like right now, Tom's probably at a high six or seven, you know, where he's got the copters um, hovering over him. He's got the, you know, a high level of monitoring online and by phone. Um, they purposely will send people to make contact with him directly you know, where they're speaking to him face to face or they're speaking to him on the phone. So from there, it escalates where, you know, and I'm sure, Tommy, you probably already have people in vehicles trailing you <laughs> or you've got people who walk by your house during the day that aren't usually in your community. Um, they, they start to get where they get closer to the property, you know, where you see vehicles pull up and sit there in front of your house, you see people walk by with dogs and stop right, you know, in front of your house and look like they're just walking the dog. Um, and, and then they may like approach you, like when you go to the grocery store, like literally somebody will come up right behind you and, you know, get in your personal space. And from there it gets to the point where, you know, they want you to feel threatened. A lot of times they'll leave handprints on the door outside or they'll leave something in your house. You know, I've had where they've, um, you know, like they would, um, as it gets more escalated, they would leave animals that obviously could not have just naturally died the way that they were presented. They'd leave them in front of my door, whether it's a bird or like we got the cat that was dipped in acid, you know, where the top hat for the cat is fine, but the rest is down to the bone. Um, and they put that in our garage, which is a locked, you know, it's like, it's a locked door. You have to have gotten in there. So they, they do things. So, you know, they got in your house. Mm -hmm. um, we had people that would uh, like the one time they left a pair of, I think it was a nail puller and like where I walked in my bathroom and all of a sudden sitting on the shower chair is a, a nail puller. And it's like, what in the world, you know, um, they've written like the one time they wrote, like a, it was like a letter and it was made to look like it was in my handwriting and, you know, looked like it was taken from one of my prayer journals, but it was something I never wrote. Mm -hmm. And they left it on the side of my bed for, you know, my son to find and stuff. And it, it was like, no, I did not write that. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, that's kind of the next step is they get, you know, like they leave evidence that they're close by, that they can get in or get out. Um, all of it's meant to make you feel intimidated. Um, 
sometimes they even send police to the door and will escort you, you know, like we're so highly concerned. We're getting calls from whoever that you're not mentally stable. We've got to bring you in for more mental work, mm-hmm. um, you know, or you're a threat somehow. And eventually it will get where they're, you know, in your yard in the middle of the night, all gathered around your house doing their ritual ceremonies, you know. So that's level nine when they come. My manager's daughter just told me that one of the guys left his cell phone under the trampoline that they came in the middle of the night and uh, in the backyard. And you're absolutely right. We had the bottle of urine and and the butcher's knife laid out in the bedroom when we also scare off anybody that would support you or stand with yeah. you because that that way it doesn't matter about the truth they think or the evidence or what you have and you nailed it too we are from the inside and so we get the top treatment and you're right the cars pull up uh the person like we call it the smoking man um there'd be the meetings next door and then the guy would be smoking the driveway looking you know, the guy taking pictures of um, the house and the mailbox right. while he's got a leaf blower as an excuse for a plausible reason and for being there. And uh, you're absolutely right. It's just, yeah. you know, I'll, I used to have to check my bed every night, um, you know, because they would leave sharps in my bed in the weirdest spot. There would be needles with poison or a paralyzing drug on them. You know, so it's like I'd always have to like brush my hand with something like I usually use like a towel or something that would catch mm-hmm. and I'd brush that over the mattress and through the pillow each night and check under my bed because, you know, that's a scary one, too. They'll have somebody hide in your closet or under your bed. Right. You know, it's also a tactic, too. And you probably know this one. They'll send people your way as if they're victims of the same treatment and they're not. They're insiders that'll come to you and pretend to be this and then talk all crazy to, you know, try to influence that. Oh, you're working with crazy people, basically, idea. And so they'll send people that make all these claims that are just off the charts. Like this one guy that claimed he was JFK's son, dropped off an aircraft carrier when he was born, all this stuff. It's like, whoa, where they first approach you, it's like the gaslighting technique where they sound like they're legit and it's been happening to them and they've been going through it. Well, that's the inside. The inside likes to get there first. And you're right about the animals, the birds. We had the black uh, bird or the, yeah, the uh, white dove right in front of the door. And then our uh, Frida Babson, who's a copyright holder with me, I to share the beat Mike Lang strategy uh, for those that are new to this. Uh, Mike Lang is basically uh, Michael Eisner's creation and exec who claims, you know, um, that he's Miramax films, film tracks, uh, acquiring the work of artists, you know, that he doesn't own, has my ex-wife in bed on my birthday, he sends an email. That guy, you know, has such power and such control, but he's left a trail back to the cabal through all his things with me and other authors he's been trying to destroy. The Disney process, which you'll see a lot of studios running back to Disney now, Disney are culprits <coughs> in this, their process is to acquire the intellectual rights of writers because that's real power now in our world. It's the written word, entertainment, the money involved, the influence involved in that. That's why writers are getting destroyed and fall suicided and their families too, even their dogs getting killed in the process. And uh, the strategy is when those authors die, they can just absorb through their controlled courts. Our court system's broken. They control it to just absorb it and say, well, there's no opposition now. 
either a family members are bought, cowed, whatever, and in comes the property rights with no opposition, they gain these multi-million dollar, billion dollar scripts um, with this strategy. So this is it. And they also want the public not to catch on to this, make their comments, you know, say all their stuff, uh, debate, but not get on the point or the faith, the focal faith of this. And that way they can say and justify and say to the audiences or about the audiences, look how stupid they are. Look, they're not smart. This is them talking, not me. They're not smart. You know, I actually wrote because I thought audiences would be smart, but it's these opposition that are taking all these things from, from the world. They're saying audiences are dumb. Let's prove it. Look, they're not even helping you. That's part of the pitch sessions to us to bring us back in the fold. I don't know if you've heard this, but this is what I've heard. You know, look, you're isolated. No one's going to help you. They don't get it. They're not smart. They're dumb. Stop trying to help them. People in the public aren't going to get it. They're attacking you. They're putting you down. We understand you. We know how good you are. We know you're smart. We know you can create. We will offer this. And some of these offers have been outstanding lately. They're saying, uh, and you said the game. You're absolutely right, Jesse. Well done. I'm so glad you guys are here or I'm here with you right now because they're saying you've won the chess game, Tom. Their contacts on tape are saying you've won the chess game, Tom. And that these powers in our government and CIA, FBI, Hollywood, religious right, they're saying now they're afraid of your power, Tom. So just think what writers can do, faith-filled writers coming together, reclaiming their work. Now they're saying through their contacts, don't reclaim your work, let it go. Why are they so afraid of us reclaiming our work as is, not altered? Remember, for those that are new, Marvel Comics, Paul Anderson, Marvel Comics, the ones that first ripped off the Matrix story or the mortals in the Matrix fashion, it was to be a comic book, Marvel Comics involved with Warner Brothers. Well, Marvel Comics is the one that's approaching me now wanting to do a blend of Immortals and Cypher Man. We still have audience members out there, people out there saying, well, Cypher Man did it. He did it first. While Marvel's Cypher Men are coming to me going, let's do a joint project, Tom. So the inside knows we did it. They said it's common knowledge throughout the studios. While the public is still debating and sending stuff my way going, you would. Then the question rises, who are we fighting for? If not for those debating, then we're doing it for God. And we're doing it for the innocents. We're doing it for those that don't have a voice. We'll keep going. The image that drives me, and I'm glad you're letting me share this, is a man holding his daughter who's deceased in a Mideast country, Mideastern country. And he's holding his daughter and she's died in his arms. That's where my passion comes from. That's what drives me. I wrote the immortal screenplay that became the Matrix to end wars. I know that is a tough uh, is that an attainable goal? Well, I'd like to think so. My thought was, I heard, that you can have great influence if you're the famous writer of a great blockbuster. Well, that's easy to prove, says the copyright director and specialist. So what happens is that means I can have tea or coffee with world leaders and talk and say, and they always do the same thing, even the CIA. We're really fascinated by work. You're one of the elite now. It's going to blow your mind what you learn, but we're fascinated by your story. You're really a cool guy and welcome to the club, basically. Well, that means I have influence. I can work on the inside. And one of the haunting thoughts I have now, guys, is I feel like I'm still being groomed. I'm still being groomed, even though it's in a nasty way. It's like the good cop, bad cop way where it's like, okay, I'm still looked at as going to be absorbed where I can still make a difference and be a light in a bad arena. So that's my thought. All these offers are starting to come in and they're good offers. And you know what they throw in that mix? 
your child will be safe. It's going to be safe now. These pub this public's not listening to you. No one's listening to you. They don't care about your story, but we do. We do. Welcome back. I mean, I grew up in this crap and they have never once paid up. You know, <laughs> I just had them. I just, I mean, I get Illuminati recruiters all the time who are like, join and upon initiation, you'll get $500,000, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've thought about it. It's like, maybe I should like rejoin. And by the time they figure out who I am, I get my, I get something back. I get the initiation fee, right? <laughs> Cause I'm like, nobody else has ever, I mean, I went through initiation and got diddly squat. Right. You know? So, I mean, I, I have this little shirt that we made that was like, you know, the Illuminati owes me initiation fees and other. <laughs> you know, we almost need a and phone then, chain. We almost yeah. Need and then you turn chain. it around and, and there's like a whole bunch of little kids and it says, you know, time to claim my bounty. <laughs> well, that's the devil's the a liar. Who knew? <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. It's it's like I believe people are smart, but they allow themselves to be dumbed down. Yeah. And as soon as they, they, they have these shills, these plants, you know of, right? They come in and they start arguing nonsense. That's to make the other people look dumb out there. And yes, you do matter. Everybody does matter. Why is that a crime to say that in our time? How do we get to this point? Why is the crime to say that every child, everyone matters? It, it's not, Tom. It's just the mockingbird media saying this. <laughs> yeah, so, and who owns that media? Who owns it? Six corporations, I think it is. Yeah, and, and they're, they're all running control back to of a three-letter agency. So, right. Yeah, and they're all running so, back Tom, to this. Bring, bringing that into some current events, because you just gave a great segue. Um, and because you know the inside of this, listen, if you've been, I don't know if you've listened to the last week's programs or whatever, we've been talking, we're watching a movie. You, yeah. you know, you, you see these scenes inside of what's supposed to be the Oval Office, certainly looks like the, uh, the stage from Castle Rock Entertainment. Yes, Lionsgate, <laughs> yes. Because the otherwise they changed the wallpaper and that in one afternoon, changed the carpet and put in ratty curtains, you know, and stuff like that. So we're watching a movie. And by the way, Castle Rock, there's some interesting players in there. Do you know anything about Castle Rock? And can you say anything about the production that they're putting on and this illusion that we're watching? Because everything right now is an illusion. Yes, it is. There's so much going on. Castle Rock, Lionsgate, everything else. It's like, like Jesse here, like Jesse. It's like, once you're their asset, they don't want to let you go. The only reason I'm alive and my last son's alive, and incidentally, <clears throat> reiterate, they said my last son's alive because they know that I'm concerned for his safety. So my other two sons are murdered. My last son's alive because it's part of their stratagem. That's why he's alive. And he's the one saying, dad, they killed off our loved ones and made those wonderful video clips keep going. Now, Castle Rock, I don't know much about Castle Rock yet because I'm getting all these contacts coming in. The only calls I really get are from the inside. There's a friend of yours, Jesse, <clears throat> who's been trying to contact me and she can't get through. Hmm. And she says she's your friend. And I'll try to call her and I can't get through. I can leave a message, that's it. But the thing is that they, they're controlling the phones. They actually control the phone systems. AT&T is owned by Warner Brothers. Well, Lucent Technologies. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> and there, there isn't our screenplay filled with tech for today. 
So Castle Rock, Lionsgate, once you're part of the assets, they claim you are their term assets. We are free range people and creators that are visionaries. We are not their assets. Let's right. get that straight. These are fat guys smoking cigars and drinking brandy that couldn't create a toilet seat. But the thing is that they want to be. Oh, Tom froze up there. Yeah. Uh, hopefully the internet gets better for him in just a moment uh, while we're waiting for Tom to come back. So a couple of things. And, and by the way, a shout out to, you know, there's a lot of people who have been posting it, but one of the shows that I do like to watch and some of the people who have commented on our videos and that Tom's back. Good. Uh, okay. have, have mentioned. And we know, I think it's a really great show. Uh, you can find them on rubble rumble and uh, castle rock just as a little slight aside, because it looks like Patriots might be in control. Two of the major players in Castle Rock Entertainment talk about infiltration mm -hmm. are Steve Mnuchin and Steve Bannon. Infiltration is their one of their big playbook moves too. If you so the, you know, the White Hats can do it as well. That's that's what I'm right. saying. And I, and I don't know who, what Steve Bannon falls under or Mnuchin. You know, a lot of people say Mnuchin is uh, is the Golden Dawn. Who knows? It's it's so wild because, like, also Easter eggs. Talk about Easter eggs being dropped into all the films. If you want your news, what's really going on? It's they do it in Men in Black. They even say, "Look at the tabloid covers." They're actually right. They actually yeah. do that on purpose. In iRobot, they have a newspaper on the stand, right? And what's it say on that newspaper when you blow it up, when you know what to look for? Nanotech is beyond our wildest dreams. Nanotech is, nanotech is the, wait, nanotech. Yeah. But does the public know much about nanotech and what's going on with the nanotech? Well, I've people are waking up to it. and They uh, are. They are. This is a good time to be alive. This these, is a good new, uh, these new pinpricks that people are lining up for uh, might involve some of that. Yeah, exactly. I guarantee you it's in there, the whole thing. Bill Gates was a failed man a failed man who borrowed ideas from others and even said he did from the very beginning. He reminds me of my brother that was bought with Disney. Same kind of mentality, everything else. Well, he took our work. He took it. Yeah, well, he's so a he Rockefeller, yeah. so we got placed. <laughs> yeah, so it's like the windows out, everything else. Lionsgate, I want to share a fun story with Lionsgate as an Easter egg example. Where does Lionsgate come from? Where's the title come from, Lionsgate? It's an interesting title. It comes from my pitch sessions. In a pitch session, they say, okay, well, how'd you get started in writing, right? They're gonna say that. After they say, we're gonna make your film, how'd you get started, Tom? Well, I tell them the story. In ninth grade, Mr. Schreiner singled me out, had me do writings, and he was like, you're gonna make it. At the same time, Mr. Mariello was my art teacher in ninth grade. He took me down to the Philadelphia Studio uh, Institution for Arts. He's like, you gotta do art. My other one's like, you gotta do writing. So he do a special project in school. He said, write about a gladiator stadium, right? And I mentioned this one time in the past uh, recently, but he, I, what I wrote was I wrote that there was two gates in the stadium, right? A short story I was supposed to write. And that the gladiator was a favored guy and given this test, he had to pick a gate, a lion. One was filled with lions behind it, the lion's gate. That's why it's called that. He took it from my story. And so what happens is from ninth grade. So lion's gate. And then the other one was a gate. He chose, he heard a low growl the gate opens and it's a beautiful woman. And Mr. Schreiner was like, that is so awesome. That's so clever. That's where Lionsgate comes from. These guys don't have a creative bone in them. So what they do is they just keep 
Bleeding the Bear, writers that they know that are successful and have this ability, which is selected from childhood, they are taken. I just learned that my mom worked at the Pentagon. I never knew. Yeah, my mom worked at the Pentagon. Happiest years of her life. She just sent me her life story. We're descended from Swiss royalty, Norman Knights. My mom worked at the Pentagon. My cousin was an admiral that worked at the Pentagon. Wait, we were, Jesse, probably your family too. It's like we are bloodlines. We are measured. You know, it's like I was going to be held back in school. Someone stepped in, did some testing on me, said, no, he needs to be advanced. People kept coming my way when they recruit me from IBM, CIA, FBI. Rockefellers at Williamsburg gave me anything I wanted at the time. Disney, uh, Robertson's Group. Um, it just goes on and on. They all know who you are and you're part of the family. The sad news for the public is they keep saying there's only supposed to be 1% of us in the end. That's not yeah. going to happen because there's a few of us from the inside that decided that humanity doesn't matter and all life matters. And you're not going to take that away from us. And you can beat me up and tell me to kneel whatever you want, anybody, but no. All life matters. And I'm tired of being a pushover, humble guy. I'm going to claim what's my work along with other people like that I appreciate, like you guys, I consider friends and family now. And I'm going to reclaim my work and be strong about it. I'm tired of being timid. I'm not going to do it anymore because there's children suffering. And there's people needed. And there's faithful people wondering that are a remnant out there. Is someone going to take a stand? Is someone going to stand up? I will. I will. Yeah. And I believe we're going well to make it. If I can bring out something about Castle Rock here too, um, you have a lot of times they'll, they rename things after famous places. So it's, it's kind of like they create mirror image places, but there can be multiple mirror image places. So the famous Castle Rock, you know, before the entertainment was the Frank Lloyd Wright house. Mm. And that's a place where, you know, I've brought out information about a lot of those places where children are taken on field trips um, that really what they're doing is they're auctioning the kids. Mm -hmm. They're deciding if that child's going to be an expendable or if they're going to be, you know, put into the monarch programming. And so they'll bring them through whether, you know, it, Castle Rock and a lot of the famous Frank Lloyd Wright houses were famous for this, you know, or um, other ones are some of the big art museums, mm -hmm. um, the science museums. And so you'll have, you know, groups and groups of kids. They'll all be following behind their teacher in a line. And, you know, one of the mothers or someone high up will walk past and, you know, either just nod their head or, or lift a finger and right there that kid's fate is decided if they're inexpendable or not. Mm -hmm. And they will, you know, thousands of children could be in a day that they decide, you know, it could be even the, now they do the climate control or the solar system. Um, what, what do they call them? Like bazaars or, um, you know, exposés, the same thing, you know, that they do there. But these were places, you know, Castle Rock, on top of that, you know, is really its sacred ritual ground to them. Mm -hmm. So by making this mirror image within Hollywood or within the entertainment system, it's recreating that place of that sacred ground where the entities meet, they're doing rituals, and those rituals are done right before our eyes. Like literally as they're doing shows, 
a lot of those things they're displaying to us are their ritual or quota things that they have to do. Mm -hmm. This is fascinating because you, you hit so many things too. Jeff, did you have something you want to say? Because I keep talking past you. No, 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 no. That's I'm I'm just fascinated. I, I always have something to say for the record. Okay, okay. <laughs> but we'll, we'll you got a great points, but, and I want to hear no. your view on what she said. Well, see, this is fascinating to me because it's like just the sharing of the thoughts right here. This is where the creativity comes from. Good people, faithful people coming together and sharing like this. Idea, idea, connection, connection, connection is popping off while you're talking, Jesse. Yeah. It's like, you know, the idea that USC is a good place. Berkeley, University of Berkeley should be banned from the earth, just erased, bulldozed. University of Berkeley, not an uh, alumni, but your center is a center for Alter K. It's a center for corrupt attorneys. Just about every attorney that came out to throw our case and do ultimate wrong came from University of Berkeley Law School. So you know they got something set up there. Children are being indoctrinated at University of Berkeley. So keep your eyes on University of Berkeley. They pick specific places like Jesse just said. USC, University of Southern California is a hotbed. What's its function? And they use alumni as a pool point for keeping people in line. I was courted by Ellen Gear, who's a sweetheart by the way, Will Gear, Grandpa Walton, his daughter, to be in Hollywood. She wanted to bring me in. I was supposed to work with Tom Hanks and Ron Howard. I was groomed. I was brought in. She always took a grad student from USC, but she made an exception with me all the way on the East Coast. Brought in, connected with Robertson. There I come. USC is where Sophia Stewart came from. Sophia Stewart claims to be the mother of the Matrix. I'm not married to her. She's not the mother of the Matrix. But the thing is that, yeah, she was a plant brought out who failed at her classes, apparently. So she's given a position. The Alter Carbon lady who's directing was brought out by Joel Silver from USC. So they like to keep it contained. They're human, you know, keep it contained, small, smaller circle, easier control. So you're right. We can identify, besides the writing the playbook now, where we're off the pages of their playbook. They don't want to do with us now. We are like herding cats for them. They don't want to do with us and uh, with teeth and claws now. But they, they um, we can reveal also their locations. And I'm glad you're speaking about it, Jesse, because that's what we need to do. Yeah. Let's just call those out too and make the list. Do you know how much Disney owns, by the way? Talking about absorbing organizations, isn't there laws that said about not having monopolies, antitrust laws, right. things like that? Are they still in effect? Because how come Disney owns ESPN, ABC, ABC, ABC News, uh, how come Robertson owns the Ice Capades? How come uh, the, um, Warner Brothers owns AT&T, CNN, where all the films now show CNN news on it? How come Joel Silver owns oil in Canada and pharmaceutical and everything else? How come they own securities, telephone, everything else? Is that not a monopoly? It, it, it's all loopholes. As long as they, you know, it's like you you can be an allegory in which you can also practice voodoo and hoodoo and be jewish you don't sacrifice while you're in the allegorian circle but if it's if you're jewish and it's a sacrifice day it's okay to sacrifice it's okay yeah you know? that's them. That's right. but you can tell the public i don't sacrifice you know right, right. In the allegorian circle and yet you're like but if you're you know if it's a Jewish holiday, well, hey, then I'm Jewish, you know, I can sacrifice on that day. You know, so it's, I call it the circle game. Right. You know, sure. first they, they own, you know, their main company. Okay, like, let's just say Disney. Okay, so 
they don't tell you all the other circles they're in. And therefore, if you don't know all the circles, it's not monopolizing because everything's separate. You know, it's like Disney is separate from a phone company, which mm -hmm. is separate from a company TV station, which is separate from a food store chain, which is separate from a transportation, you know, U-Haul place or semi-trucks or airplanes, you know, so which is separate from real estate, which mm -hmm. is separate from, you know, law. And, and I mean, how many things, you know, these people will give their resumes and it's like, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a lawyer, I'm, I mean, they can list off like 50 things. And it, it, it's like, when did you have time to go to school for all that? I mean, I spent 14 years going to school just to be a freaking chaplain. So how do some of these people, you know, they run real estate, plus they're social workers, plus they, you know, um, they're lawyers, you know, so they're in there fighting mm -hmm. with CPS to mm -hmm. take children, mm -hmm. you know, or they're representing CPS, they're guardian in litems, they've gotten these special degrees that, you know, therefore they can stand in there and, and take children from their parents. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, you know, I took those classes to be a social worker. And let me tell you, the book is like that big. Mm -hmm. And the laws that you have to memorize, there is over 6,000 laws you have to memorize and know for your exam. So it's like, how in the world can these people just cite these off? Mm -hmm. I mean... I'm a very well-educated person. I studied hard, but could I have passed that test? Probably, but, you know, I was sitting there looking at those 6,000 laws and was like, eh, you know, I really don't want to memorize all these. <laughs> like, I don't think I really want to be a social worker. Um, you know, so that's how they get away with it. They play the circle game. That's wonderful. I mean, I yeah. love that you phrased it like that. That's what Robertson does. I mean, all these groups, I could tell you about Rockefeller's group, Robertson's group. Robertson owns travel agency, conference centers, yep. uh, limo service, basically uh, gold mine, oil reserves. He owns uh, diamonds in Africa. It's like what he owns is off the charts, race horses, and think of it, how they get around this. It's like, uh, on his donation slips for Pat Robertson, religious right. This is one of the cogs of this huge wheel of um, main powers in the world. They want to have a world power, you know, be one world power. And you look at his donation slips and it said, uh, all funds you donate, not tax law, but they said, say, all funds will be used according to biblical principles. Ezra 7, 17 to 18. All funds will be used according to that. Now, what is he doing? He's claiming that if you give him money, and he'll say, like, he'll do a big hype. He would give a big hype, like, we've got a miracle happening in Nicaragua. We've been allowed in. The only one that's allowed in Nicaragua. Yeah, because you got to deal with a dictator at the time. And you're being allowed to work with drug lords for your Operation Blessing to be seen handing out hands to these drug lords. That's what you're doing. But it gives you great PR. Win-win both sides, both mm -hmm. evil groups. But what's he saying? It's a miracle. Send us your money now. Send us your money. We got a door open. Send us your money. What do those donation slips say, Pat Robertson, televangelist, Jerry Falwell's friend? 
It says that all funds will be used according to Ezra 7, 17, 17 18. Ezra 7, 17, to paraphrase and look it up, see how well I do. Do use the gold and silver for the intended purposes, basically, is the paraphrase. What's 18 say? You and your brother Jews then use whatever you want with the rest of the gold and silver. What are they saying? That can go to my racehorses. That can go to my yacht. That can go to my private jet. That can go to my friends I'm paying off. Isn't that something that their donations can go wherever they want according to a biblical scripture? But Tom, you see, they're stewarding. We're multiplying in the kingdom of God. That's we that. are multiplying that. We're going to multiply that fund. We're going to take it out and do a staged event in South Africa, which might even just be on a soundstage in, you know, in Atlanta. The green screen. Like, mm -hmm. And there's an old saying, and you would know this being a professional in the thing, and, you know, my, myself with some of my background in the entertainment business, if it's on TV, it's real. And people <laughs> believe it if it's on TV. It's as simple as that. I know. And then they own the, you're so good, Jeff. It's so good. What they're doing is then they shut down anybody that actually has the truth in the voice and call the public stupid. And that's a justification for eradicating the public later. And, and they get the mockingbird. All of them just repeat the same thing. It could be the furthest thing from the truth, but if they all say it, people will believe it. That's right. Yeah. That's and, right. And what the best thing the public can do is lift, yeah. lift people up, lift up the people that actually look for the ones with the scars, look for the ones whose families are destroyed. Look for the ones that still have their character intact or hanging on by the thread and have the faith and are going to be strong and finish the fight. Lift them. Don't let them be alienated. Us coming together, that is the biggest problem for the other side. Right. I wasn't sure if they're going to interfere today because this is a huge thing. They pulled back. They have pulled back. It was like flyovers all the time. People pulling up, like you said, Jess, you know, the cars all the time, you know, things being laid in front of the door all the time. And now all of a sudden it went silent. Well, we let can me, read let me speak to that, Tom, because something that Jesse and I both felt in the spirit and we talked about the other day on, on the air is we think that these legions of demons and that are being chased away right now. These people are left being left unprotected by their demons that they're bound to. And right. they're losing power because divinely because of God doing right. this. There's the word. And, so, you know, there's, and there's a loosening of the spirit. And I'll just share, just kind of on the same topic. And Jesse, we didn't talk about this yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm walking my dog this morning and I have some of the most profound things I notice when I'm just walking my dog, you know? And uh, you know, so where I live this morning, we're expecting a snowstorm. And right now there's no snow on the ground. Everything's really gray. There's no leaves on the trees. There was no sunshine. It's gray. It's windy. And yet just nature seemed to be more illuminated mm. than normal. It just seems like the, the whole world is coming alive mm -hmm. a yeah. bit more. And I don't know if you see that. And, and, but by the way, listeners, if you starting to see this, maybe it's me going crazy. Here come the guys with the white coats now. <laughs> you know? yeah, I think, you know, I mean, it's the literalness of God's word. You know, his word says that all creation waits in hopeful expectation for the revealing of the sons of God. You know, nature has been bound by this wickedness and the oppression. And as the Lord is, you know, bringing that, upheaving that, 
you know, everything in creation is just, it's singing the, the praise that was initially there that God created it. You know, it says that if we refuse to speak forth, uh, you know, about God's wonders, that even the rocks would cry out, like all of creation has a voice and we've suppressed that voice. We've limited it. But now as God's upheaving stuff, creation's voice is starting to be heard. And what does it say about creation? That everything declares his glory. Everything declares there is a God. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's so powerful, Jesse. I didn't put those two together, but you're absolutely right. Maybe that's what I'm just really starting to sense and see. Like, as I said, it to the naked eye, it looked ugly out this morning, mm-hmm. but it just, it, it's different. Yeah, it is. You can feel it. It's like, it's the time of the good people, the good guys. It's like the other side stratagem has always been uh, convince the world you're bad, you're evil, and then they can get away with everything they did by convincing the whole world they're bad and evil. That is the Warner Bros. agenda and Disney's agenda is to convince all they're bad. They drip feed phallic symbols and everything through their cartoons at Disney. And it's, it's a, uh, something to indoctrinate, to whisper through art the wrong way. Well, we can whisper through art the right way. Why was so much money and personnel spent on destroying families like mine, Jesse, what you went through? It's like, why is that done? Why do they take time to lay out birds in front of our doorstep that are dead and preserved and richly you know, set up a certain way? Why do they take time to infiltrate a home and like you said, plant these things, the sharps in your bed? or the urine bottle with a, a dag, uh, butcher's knife. What's going on? Which incidentally, apparently is from uh, Chainsaw Massacres. They're doing their films, right? They're doing their films and they wanna be clever. That's all they got left. They're running out of their clever cards. Yeah. And we keep revealing their clever cards, you know? Well, it goes, we'll, back, you know. it goes back even farther, you know, where it really comes, you know, in, in my family line, it came from, you know, the, the German, the grim fairy tales, the Nazism, this is part of the program you go through as, you know, being somebody in those families, you know, you're safe, you have to be cautious. Um, You know, so it goes way back centuries. Um, You know, Alice in Wonderland, um, The Wizard of Oz, those books were not written by mistake. Mm -hmm you know, they're written after actual rituals Mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, even the tin man, that character that has is forced to be silent because his jaw rushed shut, Mm -hmm. you know, until it's oiled and he can't speak until his jaw is oiled. You know, that's one of the altars that they create is that tin man altar in people Um, in women. They call it the Thumbelina altar that, you know, the doll altar, you're, you're silent and when you go into that altar and you can't move, you can't complain, you can't do anything, you just observe and you take in whatever is coming your way. Um, you know, so all of these things go way back through centuries through their stories. Wow. Um, the Pied Piper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just reading that recently, the Pied Piper thing. And in the Pied oh, Piper, yeah. yeah, that would lead the children, seduce with music, and lead all the children into the woods to never be seen again. Peter Pan. You know yeah. what it made me think of when you're, so many things come when you guys talk, so many things come. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, you know, categorizing. But it's like, one thought I was, what if we went evil? What if, we won't, we will not. But what if we had? The ability to do great good, I think goes in direct proportion to the ability to do great harm. 
right. um, with our skill sets and what we are, why were we being groomed? We could have been nightmares for the world, you know? <laughs> but what do they accuse us of? They accuse us of being the worst of the worst, right. you know, like sociopathic, murderers, things like this. They come at us full skill, you know, yeah. because we're their biggest threat. We, and they say we have the power through being good, through being faithful. They're saying we have all the power. This is a time to celebrate in our world. You know, it's just a matter of the public catching on. Don't believe your media. My sister was bought off. We know that. I've shared this before. If those new, you may not know how extensively. But the thing is, like, we were told on Maui after the case was thrown, you need a senator or a congressman, Tom, to hear your story and put it forth and you'll get your day in court the right way. What happened to my sister? She was given a FBI agent operative from Hollywood made to be a congressman for Pennsylvania and is right now Brian Fitzpatrick, who's now being referred as the Pee Wee Herman of Congress. Yeah, <laughs> see him. Yeah. Flaming it. But the thing is, like, that guy controls my sister and gives her all these rewards. So they put him in place after I was told, you should have a congressman to help you. So they used one to turn my sister, buy her off. And she is now a nightmare. She's, she's the worst person on the planet in my mind. I'm the one that brought her up. I was the one that took care of her. She said, you know, at her wedding, she danced with me and said, Tom, if you weren't, if you hadn't been in my life, I'd be dead. I, would, I wouldn't have made it. You, you, you know, wings beneath my wing or wind beneath my wings is playing while we're dancing together in a special dance at the wedding. And it's like, they took that girl. And now she actually says, I kid you not, she's about power and success now. An image. Yeah. They took my sister. And anybody who knew me knew that my sister was like number one in my mind. Then what do they do? They make her incestuous. They make her like she's always hitting. My sister, watch the Hollywood films. It's all about incest now, brothers and sisters. So that's part of the deal. Hit on your brother. Oh well, my they're, God. They're he definitely grooming a generation. God will now. not let these people prevail. They will not. Because this is a warning to what they do to families. It's a warning. Well, and the truth is that the highest levels, you know, the kingdom, Satan's entire kingdom has been laid at the feet of Jesus Christ. And, you know, scripture tells us that his kingdom comes in power. It's not a matter of talk. The Lord's kingdom will come in power. And that's where we're at. We are the sons of God and we're the ones operating in that power of the Holy Spirit you know, and, and not doing, we're not going to sit back and do it lightly or subtly, or, you know, as the apostle Paul would often say, you know, I came to you in weakness and fear and trembling and my words were not persuasive. So, you know, we're not going to sit there and try to persuade people. We have the fullness of Christ and we're going to come with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. And we're going to face to face with these yahoos show them the power of God, that they haven't just been contending against us. They've been contending against God. That's, that's the real person that they want to mock here is the Lord. Boy, that just and, sent waves. And if you want to know more about that, her book is called His <laughs> Kingdom Comes in Power. It's written by Jesse Zaboter, and it's available on Amazon today. That's fantastic. That's so good because you just said in the beginning, bold. The scripture you read about being bold, it is time to be bold. Right. They said during the French Revolution, people were being guillotined and the, uh, the upper class were just quietly going and being killed and the masses loved it. They bought puppets on strings, everything, guillotine sets, everything, and just loved the show until one woman, the mistress of the king, was brought forward and she screamed and yelled bloody murder all the way to the guillotine. 
and they shocked the, shocked the audiences. They were shocked. There was passion, there was life. And it made me think, this is the time to be bold. This is the time to show the passion. And you know what? I think audiences need to know that inside, after all the losses and all the grooming, what we've gone through, Jesse, too, after all that done, two dead sons, everything else, they say I don't care. I feel electric. I feel impassioned. I'm doing it in their memory. I feel powerful. I feel strong. For the first time, I really do feel that flowing through me. I don't know if people can see it or feel it, but I do. And we can finish the job. Like Winston Churchill said, give us the tools. We'll finish the job. So wake up, people. Get behind it. This is the great time to be alive. And what you said is powerful. And buy Jesse's book. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think brings us together, and, and I have not shared much of my story on this broadcast for for reasons uh, but I think one of the reasons that the three of us have really come together is we all have a knack of taking what the enemy has stolen and turned against us and, and using that and throwing it back at them and you know Tom you've been revealing so much stuff and we're just as we're coming to a close because we're just over an hour here uh, listen the script you wrote Tom you know, that became, you know, famous. And everyone says we're living in the matrix now. Well, your script is much longer. They used about 40% of your script to do that. But, you know, everything you wrote down like 30 years ago is really come to fruition now. And so I want to ask you just as kind of a closing thought of what you think and what you feel coming from what was revealed to you, what's next in their playbook? What What is coming out? next you know according to the script according to your feeling according to what uh, you're perceiving in the world today mm -hmm. well that's a great great question and i can see it right now because in the screenplay i can see what page we're at where the architect's son they simplified it it's the architect's son that wants to replace his dad as number one using the downloads and jacks he approaches the character that would represent myself the oracle and employs him to come on board to do the final job, which is to bring the people out for him to deceive them. And the awards and offers are coming through that just gave me basically chills that you brought that up. Also in there is the idea that, um, what was it? The children are being abducted. We're in that time. Um, there is a turnaround where suddenly this underground kicks in gear. People who have been silent kicking gear and things get done rapidly. The knowledge is on our side. We know exactly what to do. We know what's coming. We know the playbook and game plan of the enemy. And they're so stupid, they don't go off page. They stay on their playbook. They're, they haven't exercised their minds. They haven't developed strategies. They just follow their stupid playbook and bragged about what they did. So we're at the point now where you'll see people rise up like an underground movement who have been watching who have been paying attention, who have been waiting for the right time. And they will have what the screenplay says, no fear, no more fear. Wow, Tom, I think that is prophetic. Jesse, what are your what are your impressions on that just before we close out here? Yeah, no, that's exactly, you know, what I think I believe scripture supports as well is that the Lord talks about this time of harvest that literally those who have been oppressed, those who have been in the darkness, that they will come out like a great rushing waters, you know, as many as the sand on the seashore and that the Lord is going to bring them forth. And that's what we're going to see, you know, this second great harvest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know that 
you know, as you were even saying about the sun with the architect, you know, that's comparable to the Antichrist, you know, that there's this period where Satan is giving his kingdom's control over to the Antichrist, you know, his AKA son. And, you know, but we know where that ends, that the Antichrist does not rise as, as the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, you know, we know Jesus comes and he, he comes in power. So yeah. It's chilling. It's chilling. Cause so in, Tom, the, in the screenplay, in the screenplay, it says, let the harvest, the harvest begins. Yeah. Wow. So Tom, I want to put you on the spot. We're not going to schedule it yet, but I want to put you on the spot. We should have, I probably should have asked you this ahead of time, but you know, you have so many fans who tune in for this series. You have, a, the audience has been overwhelmingly supportive of you in comments on all the videos and things like that. And, you know, coming up sometime soon, uh, maybe even not on a Tuesday, maybe on an off day, but would you do a live question and answer with you? I would love that. I would love that, Jeff, because one of the things the other, the other side doesn't do is they have to read off a script all the time. They don't know how to do honest live responses. And one of their accusations is he's reading from a script. I would love to do live answer questions. Absolutely. Eat it up. Wonderful. Well, we're going to make that happen. And, uh, you know, as I say, you have a lot of people who really, truly support you and engage with you. And uh, and there's a lot of people with questions I sent. So. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do that. Uh, we'll figure out the logistics of it. And Tom, I want to thank you for joining us once again. Welcome back, brother uh, Jesse. Always, always a pleasure being with you. And thank you to the audience for tuning in again. If you've listened, look, it, it does help if you hit the notification bell. It does hit if you give the thumbs up. Uh, leave the comments if you listen on a mobile platform, on a PC. If you put it on your TV, just those little things, that, or if there's another video platform that seems to be your preference, because a lot of people have left uh, the, the YT program, they've gone to a different one. So looking for your feedback, because we want to give you the best product possible. Thank you for listening to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff. We've been joined by Tom Althaus and Jesse Zaboter. Remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.